0: Turn your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We are studying through the book of 2 Timothy this summer. We refer to this sermon series as Finish Strong. We're looking at lessons related to enduring for the sake of the gospel. And even in this particular passage this morning, we're going to see that we may endure really because of the gospel. We may endure all that we face in this life because our hope is fixed on Jesus, who is the very, the very one who conquered sin and death on our behalf. So we'll be studying 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, together in just a moment. I read something this week that has really stuck with me. It's, it's been a, a thought that I have... Uh, meditated on that I have that I have given much thought to this week this past Monday of course was Memorial Day and on Memorial Day I had the privilege of participating in the community's uh, memorial service that takes place at Shannon Springs Park at the uh, the Veterans uh, Memorial there at Shannon Springs Park and just in thinking about the many men and women who have given their life for our country. Uh, that, that's kind of how my week started, right? I, with Memorial Day and, and uh, thinking along those lines. And then as the week went on and I began digging into this passage and studying this text, I came across a line, a, a phrase really in a commentary by Walter Locke. And this is what he says. He says, God buries his workers, but continues his work and, and the picture here is this, is that the work, the mission of God continues. And we endure through life and we go through, we, we press on and persevere through hardship and the things that we face. And ultimately, we, we finish life's journey. Ultimately, we reach a point where our time on this earth is finished. And at that point, we enter into the joy of our reward that we get to spend eternity with Christ, our Savior. In the meantime, in that moment that takes place between here and and then we know that we're going to face hardship. We're going to face struggle and trial. And yet we're called to persevere and endure in light of our hardships, knowing, knowing ultimately that Jesus is our reward. And may we do that in such a way that our lives are, are, are a testimony to his greatness and his glory, that, that the, the witness of 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 our words but also even just the testimony of the way that we live would point others to Jesus and so all that has been just stirring in my heart this week as I've been thinking on this text and studying this text and my prayer for my own life has been God would you use me for your kingdom would you use me for your glory that the testimony of my life might be one that points others to Jesus. And I pray that as we study and dig into this text today, you will walk away with that same conviction burning in your heart, that God would use your life, that he would use your witness to point others to Jesus. That was certainly the burden of Paul's heart and his life. And you see that in the in, in, in the very spirit of what he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy. The Second Timothy we believe to be the last of Paul's writings, certainly the last in terms of what we have in the New Testament at the very least. And in this letter to Timothy, we find this, this spirit of, 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 of Paul, that in a sense he's, he's at peace with what he knows to be inevitably coming. He believes that his death is imminent. But the end of his life is, is soon to follow. And in, in, in spite of that, he takes great courage in the hope that is his because of Jesus. And he's pressing Timothy that he would continue the work, continue the ministry, continue living in light of this mission and this call in Christ. I hope that as we study through this, that you and I will, that it will rub off on us in a sense as well that the very heart of what Paul is writing to Timothy will, will move us and inspire us as well, that we might live in a similar manner, that our lives would point the way to Jesus. And so with all that as, the, uh, as, as our, our, our foundation, let's jump into this passage this morning and read together 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, all the way through verse 13. Remember Jesus Christ, Paul writes, risen from the dead the offspring of david has preached in my gospel for which i am suffering bound with chains is a criminal but the word of god is not bound therefore i endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in christ jesus with eternal glory the saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him we will also live with him if we endure we will also reign with him if we deny him he also will deny us if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself so paul writes here to timothy and he encourages him to remember jesus to remember jesus christ risen from the dead the offspring of david is preached in this gospel remembering jesus prepares us for a life of perseverance when we remember Jesus, when we reflect on Jesus, it prepares us to endure for the sake of the gospel that we may finish strong in the race that we run in this life. And so with that in mind, let's look specifically at the instructions that Paul gives to Timothy. Paul in his letters often writes in such a way that he is that he is giving instruction. He's, he's providing a series of imperatives or commands, instructions for his readers to follow. And even in this text, I, I see three particular instructions that Paul is giving to Timothy in these verses. The first is that he would remember Jesus Christ. The very opening words to verse eight, remember Jesus Christ. Now the word remember there is important because when Paul writes that Timothy is to remember Jesus, he's not strictly speaking in terms of just recalling a memory the way that we think of you know when we think of remember something we 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 think of bringing to mind something that has happened in the past and of course that's what remembering means but there's a greater weight to this verb this word remember he's talking about not just reflecting on or thinking on but we might well say that what he's telling Timothy to do is to dwell on Jesus Christ To keep Jesus at the center of his thoughts, at the center of his mind, even at the center of his life, that Jesus would be the motivation for how Timothy was to minister in light of the gospel, that Jesus would be the motivation that would drive Timothy as he was to endure even suffering for the sake of the gospel, just as Paul says, I have endured. I'm enduring now, even as I'm writing this. I'm bound in chains like I were a criminal. And yet I endure all things for the sake of the gospel because the word of God is not bound, because there's power in the word. And so he tells Timothy, remember Jesus, dwell on Jesus, keep your attention and your focus on Jesus. I think of the words to the song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As we focus on Jesus, the things of this world seem to fade into the background. The problems of this life pale in comparison to the glory of our risen savior There are two specific things that he encourages Timothy to think on here as he remembers Jesus. Two specific elements of Jesus that he notes, and these are of importance for us as well because they point us to the very heart of the gospel. He tells him first to remember Jesus risen from the dead risen from the dead, which is, in, in many ways, it points to the divinity of Jesus. It points to the power of Jesus over sin and death to remember that Jesus was no longer in the grave, that he was risen from the dead, that he stood victorious, the conqueror over sin and death. That He was, in fact, God, and he did accomplish what he said he would accomplish in that he conquered sin and death, that he paid the price for our sin, but not only the resurrection of Jesus, not only Jesus' divinity, not only his power over sin and death, but also the humanity of Jesus encompassed in this phrase, the offspring of David, the humanity of Jesus, the the fact that Jesus was the reigning Messiah, that he was God in the flesh, that he was God in the form of a man. And so we're to remember Jesus That as God, he has power over all things in this life, and as a man, that he lived a life of sinless perfection and offered himself for us. These two elements of Jesus, resurrected from the dead, reigning as the Messiah, the offspring of David, encompassed the heart of the gospel. Jesus was the chosen one of God, and as we dwell on jesus as we center our lives and our lives attention on the gospel the good news of jesus we're reminded that the tomb is empty and the throne is occupied and so as we think on jesus it should stir us to live with boldness and conviction knowing that just as jesus conquered sin and death that he can conquer anything that we might face in this life in fact I really believe the heart of what Paul is telling Timothy here, the heart of his encouragement, is that Timothy would not focus on his sufferings, but that he would focus on his Savior. That Timothy would take his eyes off of his problems and instead that he would fix his eyes on God's solution, which was Jesus Christ. And so he tells him, remember Jesus The truth is that this is such a powerful word for us. Just as this would have informed and instructed Timothy in the way that he lives, this is a powerful word for us as well. How might your life be changed if you stop focusing on your problems, instead you look to God's solution? How might your life be changed if rather than dwelling on your sufferings, You fix your eyes on your Savior. How might your life be different if Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, the offspring of David, were at the heart of every aspect of the life you live, the gospel, the center of your essence and your being? Remember Jesus, dwell on him, fix your eyes on him remembering that the, tone, the tomb, excuse me, is empty and the throne is occupied. Secondly, he instructs Timothy to endure hardship. Not only is Timothy to remember Jesus Christ, but he is to endure hardship. He writes about the chains that he is bound in. But then he says this powerful statement at the end of verse 9. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The hardship that Paul is enduring in this particular instance is, of course, his imprisonment. That he was bound as a criminal that he was bound as an enemy of the state of the Roman government for preaching the gospel. And yet, he says with conviction to Timothy, the word of God is not bound. I may be in chains, but no one can bind the word of God. I may be imprisoned and awaiting my death, but nothing in this world has power over the risen Christ, the word of God were to remember Jesus so that we might endure hardship. Paul says that he endures for two specific reasons. First of all, he says for the sake of the elect, which is to say for all those who would call on the name of Jesus. This is a common this is a common idiom that Paul uses to reference Christians and believers. But often when Paul is is using this phrase, he's not just talking about those who are believers at the moment, but he's speaking in a future sense. He's, he's talking about those who are believers, but also those who will come to call on the name of the Lord, the elect of God. And so what he's saying is that I endure this suffering. I endure this hardship. I endure these chains for the, for the sake of the elect, for the sake of those who will call on the name of Jesus, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, for the sake of salvation of the lost. Paul says, I will endure all things. I will endure these hardships. I will even go to my death if it would point others to faith in Jesus Christ. And so he's willing to endure hardship for the sake of salvation, for the sake of the elect, but not only for the sake of those who would come to know Jesus, but ultimately for the sake of the eternal glory of Christ. Believing that, Jesus is glorified when the lost are brought to salvation in him. Believing that Jesus is glorified when we fix our eyes on him. When we remember him in his resurrection power. When we make him the center of our lives. So that we might endure hardship. Jesus is glorified in us, through us. Therefore Paul writes, I endure everything. Think about. Think about how frustrating it might have been to, to be the one who was trying to sentence Paul. You, you imprison him, and he says, Good then I will endure this for the sake of Christ. You, you were to bind him in chains, and he would, he would sing praises to God until the Spirit of God moved, and even in certain instances that he was, that the angel of the Lord visited and set him free. There was nothing you could do to this man who had learned long ago what it means to forsake his life in order that he might live for the sake of the gospel so that there was power and boldness and conviction in every area of his life, whether he was in chains or whether he was a free man. His life was lived for the glory of God. I believe that what the Lord wants of us is that we would that we would have a similar type of of mentality, the same mindset, the same willingness to offer our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God, that we would be willing to lay down our lives if necessary, that we would certainly be willing to forsake our comforts, that we would be willing to forsake our, our privileges, our rights, that we would willingly, gladly surrender all of the creature comforts of this life in order that the gospel of Jesus might shine clearly in the midst of the darkness of this world, that we would endure suffering and hardship for the sake of salvation and the glory of Christ. And then thirdly, in light of all that Jesus had done and who he was, and in light of this This call to endure for the sake of the lost and for the glory of Christ, Paul writes that we would experience reward. That we would experience the reward. And the reward here, the reward here is Jesus. So often we get focused on the things that come when we follow Jesus. We make the focus perhaps eternal life, forgiveness of sin the resurrection power, the overcoming power that that Jesus has. And if we're not careful, we we make the focus of our Christian life and Christian living, not Jesus himself, but all the things that we gain when we trust Jesus, when we follow Jesus. And this is Paul's urgent reminder to Timothy that he would not focus on all the benefits of knowing Jesus, but that instead his focus, his central life ambition would be to know Jesus, not to experience the goodness that comes with Jesus, but Jesus himself. Remember Jesus, that we might experience reward. And then he offers these words. Now in your Bible, verses 11, 12, 13 are set apart in such a way that it indicates that it looks almost like the lyrics to a song or the words of a poem. It's written in a form of prose. And the reason that they're set apart this way is because it's believed that these were words to an early hymn in the life of a church. And that when Paul writes and he says, this is a trustworthy saying, then these following words are, are essentially him quoting the message much in the same way that just moments ago, I quoted to you the words of the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, that Paul is doing something similar here, that he's referencing the words to a hymn of faith. This is something that Paul does often in the pastoral epistles. In fact, there are numerous times in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul does this, he talks about a trustworthy saying. In chapter three, verse one, in chapter four, verse nine of 1 Timothy as well, also here 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11 and then again in Titus in the book of Titus chapter 3 verse 8 there's this pattern this formula that Paul writes this is a trustworthy saying and worthy of acceptance he will often tag that phrase in as well and and what he's doing is he's referencing he's referencing common preaching common teaching common common theological language of his day to say just as we sing these words just as we focus on these words we ought to remember that the heart the spirit behind them is true as well and then he says if we have died with him we will also live with him now though he's not directly quoting from Romans chapter 6, there's a strong link and a strong tie to Romans chapter 6 that we'll read together in just a moment. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. I, I want to read that together, but let's keep going and, and work through this hymn first. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, as he's already encouraged Timothy to endure for the sake of the elect, for the sake of the glory of Christ, If we endure, we will also reign with him. So the first two phrases, the first two lines are in the positive. If we have died with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. And then the following two, the final two phrases are in the negative. If we deny him, he also will deny us, echoes the words of Jesus to his disciples. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. And if we are faithless, he goes on to say, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. John Stott, in his commentary on this passage, writes this about the faithfulness of God and the power of God. Stott writes, God's omnipotence, that is to say that God has power, ultimate power, power over all things. God's omnipotence is the freedom and the power to do absolutely anything he chooses to do, but he chooses only to do good, only to work according to the perfection of his character and his will. God can do everything consistent with being himself. The one and only thing he cannot do because he will not, is to deny himself or act contrary to himself. So God remains forever himself, the same God of mercy and justice, fulfilling his promises, giving us life if we die with Christ and a kingdom if we endure, but denying us if we deny him, just as he warned, because he cannot deny himself. God has power over all things. He can do anything But the thing that he chooses not to do, Stott says, because it's inconsistent with his own character and his nature, would be to deny himself, which is to say this. God will be the same forever. He will be consistent. He will endure through all things. He will will perfectly persevere. And so the call for us to persevere, in every way, we need to understand that as as a call to imitate the very character of God, to follow the heart of God, to, to glorify God by trying to imitate Christ, that our lives might be spent for his sake and his glory. And even when we stumble and fall, even when we fail, and we do and we will, still God will remain ever faithful and true because he cannot deny himself. So we're to live in this power that we might experience his reward, remembering Jesus enables us to endure hardship in this life in order that we might experience the reward, which is Jesus. And in light of that, I wanna read together from Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six, beginning in verse five. I told you a moment ago that we would read these verses together. This is a separate, uh, certainly a separate book of the Bible, a separate letter written to a separate church, but it's by the same author. Paul is writing here. And listen to these words, which echo the very heart, the very testimony that Paul is writing to Timothy with in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Listen to that in these words in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. When we remember Jesus, in order that we will endure hardship and experience the reward, then we live in this resurrection power of Christ. As Paul writes, that we would consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus. We would no longer make the, the pursuit of our of our of our selfish, sinful desires, the focus of our lives, but instead Jesus would be the center of our lives, that we would fix our eyes on Him, that we would make Him the central focus, the central essence of who we are, that we would remember Jesus, dwell on Jesus, think on Him by making Him the very center of our lives, so that we might endure hardship for the sake of of the elect, for the sake of the lost, for the sake of those who would come to Christ, for the glory of God in Jesus, and we would experience the fullness of God's reward. If we have died with him, we will also reign with him. If we endure with him, we will, we will see his power at work in our lives. May we be a people who are dead to sin and alive in Jesus this morning, in a moment, we 're going to have a, a time of invitation, a time of response and in our time of response today, I wonder what what thing in your life is God speaking to you about this morning what what specific thing is he Is he saying to you through that voice of conviction of his Holy Spirit that this is what you need to surrender today. This is what you need to, that you need to confess. This is what you need to, that you need to recognize that this thing, this desire, this, this, this pursuit in your life is, is perhaps the thing that is distracting you. The thing that is, that is leading you astray. The very thing that keeps Jesus from being the center of your life. If God is working in your heart in, in that manner this morning, I pray that you would be willing to offer that thing as a sacrifice to him, saying, God, I want to I live for you. I want to make Jesus the center of my life. I want to remember Jesus Christ. Fix my eyes and my life on him that I might endure, even if it means enduring hardship and suffering, that I might experience the reward, which is Jesus himself. That I might be dead to sin and alive in Christ, that I might live with him, that I might reign, that I might experience his resurrection power alive in me today, but heed paul's word of warning as we think on this and as you as you 're processing your response this morning i would I would urge you to heed paul 's warning if you deny him, he will deny you, which is just a very pointed way of saying that if you, if you do not heed his conviction, if you do not obey, then we are guilty of denying him. And when we deny him, he would deny us. Not because he is faithless to us, but because he is ever faithful to himself. So may we live for him today by making him the center of our life. Would you pray with me now? Lord, as we prepare for this moment of response, I I pray that you would stir, that you would move in our hearts. Lead us, Lord, as we fix our eyes on you, as we...